0: insatiable munchies podcast it's a party in here um so as you all know i'm tammy i'm uh, insatiable munchies myself because i'm always hungry
1: and i'm giles i don't really have a call sign but i'm still awesome
0: (laughs) there you go so giles is my best friend and we are going to be uh, basically talking about what food stuff uh, we've been involved in over the week so this week what we've got for you is some very exciting news
1: Ooh, egg whipping out the puns early. Actually, before we came in, I was looking up a, a big list of puns. I got exceptional, <laughs> exciting, and that's the last yolk I could come up with.
0: Ah, oh, this is gonna be a punny show, folks. Uh,
1: so, uh, on with the egg theme with the puns. Um, you may not know that I actually have chickens at home. As someone who knows a decent amount about chickens and the egg process, I was gonna bring up a how is the best way to cook the eggs that I actually am getting myself now.
0: In the fry pan, we are talking about how to make the best softballed eggs. So if you read the blog, you're gonna know that I've already done sort of a pre-post on this. Um it's been a bit of a fascination because I remember as a kid, you know, going to those coffee shops. They had these perfect softballed eggs, you know, you get them in a set, the two dollars you get toast and eggs and coffee. Pretty good deal, I think.
1: See, my, my egg memories is always, you know, at my parents' house when I was little, eggy in the basket, things like that. What's eggy in the basket? Eggy in the basket's where you cut a hole into the piece of toast, fry the toast, and then when you flip it, you crack an egg in the hole and cook it that way. It comes out uh, similar to a French toast, but in a more fried sense.
0: Right, so eliminating the egg ring and using bread as your egg ring. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, better because that way you don't feel the loss of not having bacon. It's, it's good for those days where you don't quite have you bacon. You
0: never feel the loss of not having bacon.
1: No, but some people do. And for those days, I have egg in the basket.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so what is the best way to make soft-boiled eggs? I mean, this was refueled by my recent trips to Mapen my favorite noodle joint in the city i think at the moment um and they always have these sort of perfectly soft-boiled poke it with a chopstick it's going to explode all over your noodles kind of eggs um, and i really want to create it at home because it can't be that every time i want a soft-boiled egg fix i, I make a trip into the city and i really all the instructions that are read online involve a lot of things now most people that i know keep their eggs in the fridge Wake up in the morning, barely enough time to, you know, have a coffee or have a cup of milk or something. So I don't think that waking up early to bring the eggs to room temperature is really something that's that practical.
1: Interesting thing with uh, bringing eggs to room temperature, it's actually really bad to have your eggs in the the fridge. I know a lot of people keep their eggs in the fridge door. Mm. And this is the worst place to keep the eggs because the door always opening, always closing. It's changing the temperature of the eggs consistently. If Ah. you are keeping your eggs in the fridge, you should keep them in the packet that they have from the beginning, keep those as far back in the fridge as possible, and eat them within four to five days of actually buying them. This keeps the eggs constant temperature, and when you want to warm them up, the best way to do this is to either let them sit, which is the most common, you know, sit for 25 minutes, or what I do is I put them into a a small bowl of boiling, uh, not boiling, but warm water and let it uh, cool up from there. it up to room temperature
0: but that's the thing how warm is this water and how is it going to affect you know is it going to start pre-cooking your eggs
1: normal tap water is about fine for getting them up to room temperature because you only want to about whatever temperature the room is anyway
0: which room is it
1: generally the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one but about about 25 degrees centigrade so average room temperature air-conditioned room temperature
0: So I've been reading a lot about, you know, the room temperature egg. The other thing was, how long do you boil it for? Do you cover the eggs in cold water? Do you, you know, drop the eggs into boiling water? Do you uh, bring the water up to the boil? How much water do you have in the pan? All these questions that cannot be answered with the number 42... And they plague me, they plague me so. And so with the pre I've gotten a lot of comments. And One was from Vivian from VX Dollface. And she said that what her mother does is to boil it for 3 minutes essentially, turn it down to a simmer for 2 and then leave it for a little bit there. And Gabby from Lateral Eating um, talked about the importance of having room temperature eggs because of their tendency to crack if you just drop them into the boiling water. Again, very interesting advice and that's something that I'll try very soon.
1: My advice with uh, always cooking eggs in this style is to put them into the room temperature water and then bring that up to the boil and once it's at boiling leave it for about 3 or 4 minutes is generally how I cook them.
0: But how large is that pot of water? Because really, essentially, the more water you have, the longer it's going to take to bring up to the boil.
1: With a house that has a huge amount of eggs, I have a very big family, we sort of have a big pot that we cook French onion soup in, and that's, you know, 30 or 40 onions worth in the pot. So we fill that with water, and that'll cook, uh, well, hard boil or soft boil, maybe 12 to 15 eggs at a time. But for smaller ones, your average cooking pot seems fine.
0: Right, so if you have any more ideas, I know it's not very much more on the blog post, um, but again, I've, I've been a little bit egged out. Just a little bit. I've been eating like six eggs a day trying to figure this thing out. We don't want those eggs to go to waste.
1: You should see my family. We're getting, we've got nine chickens, so nine eggs a day. And because we keep our eggs at room temperature, we don't keep ours in the fridge. Uh, We have to eat nine eggs a day between the six of us. So it's a bit of a challenge, but it's eggs every day for the breakfast.
0: Moving on. Ribs. Ribs. Lots of ribs this week. I uh, went for dinner with my friend Sam and uh, we had all-you-can-eat ribs at Signature Grill that's in Belmain. And um, it was for $35 for the two of us, I think.
1: See, my favourite rib place in Sydney is Ribs and Rumps. It's on uh, Macquarie Road type area near Ride, And they do takeaway ribs. So Did you I? call up uh, within 15 minutes and they are the best ribs that I have found that have not been cooked by you or me.
0: <laughs> what kind of uh what kind of ribs do you get there?
1: Uh well I've actually been recently getting a, a pork rib sandwich. So it has the bone removed and it's just the rib meat uh on a sort of burger bun.
0: Well, at Signature Grill, the $35 for the two of us was um, a voucher that I got online. Uh, they were, they only seemed to do pork ribs, I was a bit disappointed. Pork ribs are nice, don't get me wrong, but I'm much more of a lamb rib or a, uh, a beef rib rib sort of person. But
1: even then, if you're only going for ribs once in a while, pork is the rib that I would choose. Pork is my favourite meat. It just is, it's the best. Pigs, while probably not appropriate to be like I love pig, I do. I love bacon, I love ham, and especially pork ribs. The the texture of the ribs is just without equal it's something you don't get quite as well with lamb. Something mm. you don't definitely don't get with beef. That pull apart texture.
0: Very well described. Um I always find that I prefer the the sort of meltiness of lamb, as it were, the, the fat. Oh, I love myself some lamb fat. Again, this is not a health show, people. We all know this, right?
1: See, I much prefer, if I'm going for that lamb fatty type feeling, I'd rather much just have the steak because then I can cut the fat off and portion it out with my steak as I eat.
0: Oh, a good way to do it, fat in every bite. Exactly. How about hurricanes? Have you been to hurricanes? Where
1: is hurricanes?
0: Uh, there's one in Darling Harbor, I believe. And what do they sell there? I haven't been myself. Okay. Um, Well, Hurricanes does a a whole range of, like, you know, seafood, steaks. Um, They also do ribs. I remember I went there with a couple of girlfriends, and the rib rack was huge, right? But for some reason, didn't have a lot of meat on it. Do you find that that's a problem with ribs?
1: I find that commonly in Australia, actually. You don't find it as much when you're eating overseas. But definitely here, we seem to love the bone. That big, chunky bit so that ribs become finger food and not something you eat with a knife and fork. In Australia, the big, big bone is so that you can have one rib as opposed to a stack of ribs.
0: So not so much for polite company, as it were.
1: I never thought ribs were a polite company thing anyway.
0: From the icebox is where we present to you kind of cool things or cool gadgets or cool events that like food things that we've been to. And this week I really want to talk about Shiki. Woo! Do you know what furushiki is?
1: Yes, only because you've shown me though.
0: I think I've been showing everyone the other day. Okay, wait, just to explain before I, I go off into my little tangent. Furoshiki is basically the Japanese art of cloth tying. So what you do is you get a piece of square cloth. It can be really little or really big depending on what you want to wrap. And um, yeah, you you wrap it up. You tie a knot and it basically can become a bag. It can become gift wrapping. It can do your lunch boxes. And um, especially with the lunch boxes, what I really like is that when you unwrap it and you have your lunch, it doubles as a table mat. Not
1: even table mat, but if you're doing a full picnic worth of these things, you have... You have bibs ready, you have serviettes ready, and you have tablecloth all there in the bag. And at the end, you just use it to wrap it all back up.
0: Exactly. So I've been doing some uh, furoshiki experimenting now. I got the sewing machine, and furoshiki is pretty simple. It is just a piece of square cloth. Um, so I've, I've made one that's about 70 centimetres, um, and that's really good for the everyday lunch. And I made one that's about one metre um, wide. And that that is really, really good for a picnic. Um, if you've seen my furoshiki picnic, uh, I actually bought, brought those two cloths and managed to pack enough food for easily for people.
1: Easy. See, I think of furoshiki more as like tablecloth origami. For me, it's more the style when you get those napkins that come as cranes, <laughs> only you keep the gravy in it.
0: That is that is a really good way of putting it. I actually thought about it as origami as well, um, like cloth origami, really, and... The diagrams are presented as such. I actually went to a scarf store, because the other day I thought, maybe I'll get some scarves, I don't have to, you know, sew these cloths, and I can maybe make presents for my friends. And the ladies in the scarf shop were going nuts. Because I went, no, no, I don't need a bag, right? And they thought, right, she's going to take out one of those eco bags and bring all of this home. No. I took one of the scarves that I bought, did some quick ties, and I had a shopping bag ready to go.
1: And saving the environment while you do it. Always a plus.
0: There you go. So it's It's one of those things where it's actually really cool when you get into it. And it's really addictive. You keep practicing the knots. You keep making different things. My handbag's broken. I seriously considered just getting myself a Furushiki cloth and dumping everything in there. Downside, though, no pockets. The issue
1: I would find with having a furoshiki handbag would be what is the likelihood of the knots coming untied?
0: Um, it's actually pretty well done because the thing about it is that with furoshiki, All the knots essentially become your handles. So you tie up the ends of the cloth and then you make a handle. So you're carrying the knots, so you'd know they were coming untied to tighten it. Essentially you're holding on to it. So I really don't think there's much likelihood of it becoming untied.
1: The other thing that I noticed, are they machine washable?
0: Yes, Uh, for the ones that I do they are because they're all cotton. And I use a variety of cotton, so all of them are machine washable. Um, It really depends, I guess, if you have silks and that. Oh, you can, but you want to be really careful about it. And uh, yeah, so speaking of meals, I think it is time for dinner. I'm getting quite hungry. Uh, If my tummy grumbles any louder, I think it's going to be another character in this podcast.
1: The terrible Tammy tummy.
0: Boom. (laughs) (laughs) And there you go first episode of insatiable munchies podcast we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments so do send through an email if you have anything to add or have any comments that you want to make we'd love to hear your feedback that's insatiable at gmail.com that's insatiable at gmail.com or feel free to leave a comment on the blog post until next week i'm tammy
1: and i'm giles
0: stay hungry